Hey guys, what up? Thanks for joining me. Another episode of Chat with Matt. On today's episode, we had Luke Patton. Luke Patton's a former NRL superstar. He started off his NRL career at the NRL at the Illawarra Steelers before winning the grand final in 2004 at the Bulldogs. Now, we spoke a lot about his transition out of the NRL, out of being a professional athlete into the real world, something a lot of athletes struggle with. And then we spoke a lot about the mental toughness behind being an athlete and um, how he got himself ready for the grand final, how, how he got himself up for games and how he dealt with being a fullback, which in my opinion is one of the toughest positions in the in the squad. So guys, sit back, enjoy this episode. We had a great chat. It was an absolute pleasure catching up with Lukey Patton. He's a, he's a gentleman and he's someone that I looked up to growing up. He was um, just one of those guys that you knew was going to always get the job done. Super consistent, showed up day after day, and I think it shows in this um, in this podcast the work he put in behind the scenes for him to achieve what he achieved in the game. So enjoy the show, guys. Subscribe to the podcast. Connect with the general, Luke Patton. I'll link it in the show notes, and uh, see you next week. Post footy. Just the mindset behind yeah. um, being an athlete, bro. Yeah, sweet. That's what I said to you. That's what the, uh, you know, I love talking footy, don't get me wrong, but I enjoy talking about like the game within the game and, you know, the mental side of it because, um, oh, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about it all, but that's the bit that I find interesting. You know, that's what sets everyone apart, really. Yeah, it's huge, man. Um, especially, being, especially being a fullback, man. <laughs> it's not the easiest job. No, it's not the easiest job. You get a bit more time to think and I guess... Um, you know, when everyone's revving up for a, you know, super physical game, uh, I'm probably doing the opposite. I'm trying to rev up, but I'm also trying to stay real calm in my head. You know, I've got to think, I'm counting numbers, I'm identifying where a kicker is, where he's going to kick, you know, all sorts of things. You, you're constantly just um, thinking like that. You're not thinking, I want to smash someone, you know. It's a total opposite sort of way you go into a game. Yeah. So, bro, bro let's just roll with it, Lukey. We'll yeah, just, yeah, sweet. We'll just keep rolling. That was awesome. Um, so, Lukey, when did you get started, man, with your footy career? Basically, I didn't really get a, a chance to do anything differently. You know, my dad played footy. He came down, uh, grew up in the country, came down to Wollongong um, to play footy, which was a pretty strong comp um, back in the day down in, in the Illawarra. Uh, played for a team called the Coromel Cougars. And, um, you know, I've got two older brothers. They just played footy. Um, and basically all I ever wanted to do, you know, I used to watch your footy like all kids back in the day used to watch it and um, loved it, you know. And um, yeah, for me, it was uh, just what I always wanted to do. Awesome, man. And, and, and you started with St. George, yeah? What happened? Um, so what was it like cracking first grade back in the day? Well, you got to go back before St. George because I started for the Steelers um, who merged with the Dragons. So I played... Wow. Uh, in the, yeah, in 98 was my debut um, for the Steelers. So I played uh, 13 games for them. And then, you know, the merged happened, which was uh, at the time, you know, it was bizarre because, you know, getting two teams together to try and, um, I guess, gel and then play footy the following season, you know, was, was uh, pretty full on. And I guess only because I'd started out, I was pretty worried that, I, you know, I wouldn't even make the merge, you know. Um, but they gave me an opportunity um to do that and then that was just a pretty cool time to to get to know all the St George guys try and get that together it wasn't without its challenges obviously because you got like guys like you know Trent Barrett who was 
um, on the Illawarra side of things, like our golden child. But then you had someone like Chock Mundine, who was, you know, very good at what he did, and he wanted to run the show. And um, you know, a lot of a lot of people spoke about that at the time and how it would all all gel. And at the start, it was pretty awkward, but um, you know, we made it happen. And you know, luckily enough, that year we uh, made the grand final. But yeah, it wasn't to be for us that year. So growing up, were you always a fullback, Luke? No, I played centres early on. Uh, and funnily enough, one of the, the junior rep teams I made, they had a really good fullback. And they said, listen, uh, you're not playing fullback. Um, you've got to play in the centres. Um, so I was like, oh, right, I'll, I guess I'll play in the centres. And uh, played in the centres most of the time. Oh, no, actually, sorry, the other way around. I was playing the centres and they said, listen, we've got a really good centre. Uh, you're going to have to play fullback. And I was like, oh, right, oh, um, I'll give it a crack. And... and uh, funnily enough, my dad played fullback, so he sort of just gave me tips um, early on about what to look at, what to do, uh, where to be, um, and I just went from there. I guess you know one of my strengths was I can I can run a lot, um, and that sort of worked for fullback, and and I just grew from there. I guess that that ended up being my position. When did you feel like you belonged in a team, man? Because I'm actually reading uh, Paul Gallen's documentary, his book, and he he kind of said early on, coming through as a young kid. It wasn't until that he got in the ring with uh, Danny Nutley because I had a boxing trainer, Johnny Lewis, come into, the, come into their training and he said, all right, Gal, I'm going to put you with Danny Nutley. Prove yourself. And he goes, it wasn't until he put it over Nutley that he started to realise, oh, man, I belong here. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, early on, um, especially back in the day with footy clubs, like it was, it was brutal if you're a rookie. You basically shut up and, and did as you were told. Uh, I remember I used to get really nervous for training sessions. Like I didn't want to make mistakes at training. You know, I was like, if I dropped the ball, I'd be like, oh no, you know, and uh, which is is bizarre to think even at training you're super nervous. And um, yeah, I guess it takes years for you to to feel like you belong in that environment. I, I kind of look at it that a lot of guys play NRL, but you're not actually an NRL player uh, until you know, a number of years down the track. It's like anything you do, right? When you start off, you're like, oh, what do I do? How do I do it? And then you grow into the role. Um, and, and probably wasn't until after we won the grand final in 04 with the dogs that I really felt, you know what? Yeah, I'm a premiership winning player. I've got this. And then after that, my best years were, were after that when I started to mature and really identified my key position in the team. I wanted to be a senior player and I wanted to lead from the front. And that was, that was one of my strengths. Yeah, man, 04, what a team you had. Scary. That was scary. A, that was... Uh, I mean, the year, you got to go, you got to take the whole year though, because, you know, we built, 04 didn't happen just in 04, you know, like I started at Dogs in 01 and they had some great um, players, some real um, veterans there that were old school, you know. When I first went there, the training was scary. Um, and, and luckily enough, you know, the old guys had, They'd help you out, but it was only to a certain level. Then you're on your own. You had to prove yourself. Um, and I think a lot of the guys like myself, Willie Mason, um, like Roy Asatasi, I mean, you can go through basically Nate Miles. All, those, all those. Nate Miles, Braithen yeah. Astor, Sonny Bill, JT. Like they all sort of came through that same sort of time. Like they were a bit younger than me, but they, they went through that and it kind of steeled them to come into first grade. And, um, you know, I think, you know, honestly, all those guys that have gone on to huge things, getting that um, early education at the Bulldogs and going through the training, which was nuts at the time, kind of let them understand what it took to be a professional and to stay at that level. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'd say 
you know, 01, 02, 03 leads into 04 because all those guys came through. They'd learnt from the older guys uh, and they knew what it took. And, and obviously a super talented bunch of guys as well. But, you know, then you throw in the Coffs Harbour drama and how that steeled everyone. And it was um, basically like us against the world and going to footy training was like our, you know, our, our way of getting away from all the noise and everything associated with that. And it just, I don't know, it just brought us together even closer. And um, oh, it was an amazing year. I mean, I still get stopped now um, regularly. People wanting to talk about 04 and about how great that team was. It's crazy, man. I'm a Cronulla fan, but my, my family all fanatic dog fans, man. We were watching at my auntie's place and it was just, it was crazy, man. Like you guys were on fire. Anything you touched, Shifty Sherwin. Like, it was such a good year for him, too. Um, oh, it was awesome, man. Awesome to watch. Oh, but, you, can um, go through, you can go through the whole team. Like, it's amazing. But yeah. But yeah. Oh, man, um, yeah, I just want to get... So, behind what goes in getting set up for s- such a big week, so the grand final. I know it all starts yeah. back in 01, and, and there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes, but how do you get yourself up for a game, man, mentally? Yeah, it's a good question. I guess for me, personally, it was about... Early in the week, you just got to go and do the work. Like for me, I got all my confidence from my training. Um, if I put in extra work and like I'm talking, you know, go and catch a hundred bombs, whatever the conditions, like I'd actually hope that it would be raining or super windy so that it would be harder, you know. Um, yeah. You go and do all that work so that when you get to the time when you got to play that big game, sure, you're still shitting yourself, right? Because you're going far out. It's a huge game. Like there's so much more at stake. It's not just a footy game. But then you remind yourself, you go, listen, I've done the work here. Like, I've been in these situations. So I know that when it actually happens and I've got split seconds to make decisions, that I know my, I'll react to that. I've prepared for it. And that's where you get your confidence, I found. Um, you know, and that's, you know, it's also towards the back end of my career. That's kind of what made the decision for me because I felt myself slipping with some of the, you know, being able to do that work uh, off on the training paddock when I wasn't able to do that physically, I felt that in my games and I felt that mentally that was starting to have an effect on me. So um, it's one thing I always prided myself on was making sure that I worked harder than basically anyone else. And, um, you know, it worked for me. So, so mate, you're one of the ones always staying back at training, catching bombs, putting in extras, huh? I wasn't always like that. Um, I've got to say it wasn't until I went to the dogs that I got a better understanding of that. And then, like I said, um, after that 04, like I still worked hard up to, up to that stage on my game. But then as you get older, um, and any footy guy will tell you, you start to understand your own position better and where you need to work. And I think also you have to be brutally honest with your game. Like for me, you know, I wasn't the great pa- the greatest passer in the world because, you know, I had a, a really strong running game and I never really had to rely on my passing game growing up as a kid. So... That was something I really had to work on. The bombs was another example. Like the NRL, um, especially now, the defense is so good that everyone relies on on bombs and tries to get a you know a drop a drop ball here and there. And I wasn't great at bombs at the start because I, yeah, I wasn't a um, a fullback growing up all that time. So I, I you know I'd stay back behind training and get shifty or brace to kick me a hundred bombs, you know, and just and end up turning my weakness into a strength. So I think. One of the key things is you've got to be super honest about your strengths and your weaknesses and work on those weaknesses. Man, it's so hard being a fullback. I was just saying to you before, because, mate, ball, like the ball's in the air and you got forwards. Like there's so much to think about. Like what if I drop this or I'm going to get belted? Because you've got forwards just waiting for you as you land. 
How do you block all that out, man? There must be. Yeah, it's so funny, much you know what? It's it's like you get blinkers on and you don't hear a thing. Like when you're in the zone, you don't hear the crowd. You don't um, you don't think there's guys coming down to smash you or anything. All you see is the rotation of the ball. So, for example, if it's an end over end, you you know that where the ball's going to end, right? Like it's not going to move unless there's a bit of wind or whatever. But you know, if there's a spiral ball or the floater ball, it could be moving. So you need to be going right. What's this ball doing? Um, you got to keep moving your feet. And, you know, I found um, certain stages of my career, like I, I was going to retire at the end of 2000 with the Dragons. I, I, I went through this stage where I hated footy. I was looking at the clock going, I can't wait for this game to finish. I just fell out of love with it. Um, and in that situation, if a bomb went up, I'd be hearing players coming. I'd be hearing the crowd. I'd just be going, you know, in my mind, I hope I catch this. I hope I catch this, you know. Um, and then later in my career, once I got over that and, and, as I said, got more confident in my ability and what I was doing, there was none of that. There's no head noise. It was purely the football, the spiral on the football, and that's all it became. It's like, it's hard to describe. And I guess, you know, I've heard other athletes say when they get their blinkers on, they're in the, in the zone. Then, like, yeah. that's a thing, man. That's a, that's, a, that's a beautiful place to be because you just know, um, you know, you're on and... Um, and, and you can do the job you have to do. Man, I love it. Even in that Michael Jordan documentary, I'm a big fan of his, um, his trainer, Tim Grover, and his work with Kobe Bryant, all the top guys. And he goes, thinking's a distraction. He tells all his athletes. He goes, the more you think, like if you've done the work, it becomes automatic. Just don't think. Shoot your shot. 100%. Back yourself, you know. And that's, um, you know, a lot of people just think that um, you wake up one morning and automatically you become better like even with my sons i've got a couple of young boys and um he's just like he he, he plays soccer at the moment he, and he's like oh you know i want to get a bit better and i said well if you want to get ready better you got to practice you know and you got to i don't want to be that dad that pushes him either you know it's still got to be fun but um they've got to understand that if you want to get better you have to do the work it's a, there's no magic recipe you know what it's like there's no you know that's just how it is just day after day that's it the small 100%. things daily Man, who was the hardest worker you played with? Oh, I mean, at that time, there were a lot of guys, but it's hard to go past Bobcat uh, in that situation. Like, I think, um, you know, guys talk about other guys when you're at training and stuff, getting teamed up with guys in the wrestle, right? And if you get like a Andrew Ryan, for example, or a Marco Mealy, right? I'm shitting myself because I'm like, this bloke is 100% at whatever they do, no matter what it is. You know, I've seen Marco Mealy knock blokes out at training and people just go, shit you know yeah um some guys just live it like that um personally for me wrestling you know like i hated wrestling i didn't make a lot of tackles so i was just like oh it's something i have to do um but yeah like guys like bobcat he just lived anything he did was a hundred percent and he led by example he wasn't a big talker as a captain but he gained everyone's respect because you know they knew he'd turn up sometimes he'd be, he'd be busted still trained um you know, busted and still play. And that's where the guys earn their respect from the guys because you know what it's like. Everyone gets injured at different stages of the year and some guys will be like, put their hand up straight away and be like, I'm not training today. And I think that that hurts their cred within the team. Whereas some guys just go, nah, you know, I'm, I'm still doing it. And that's, um, you know, that's what separates the, the guys, you know, the representative guys. That's the difference, really. Yeah, Bobcat was one of those players that um, he wasn't like a standout, but he always did the job. 
you know, like you knew he would always be there in defence and made that ankle tap. He probably let you know <laughs> about that one a few times in the grand final with that try saver. <laughs> yeah, know, people talk about how he, you know, saved the game. And I said, well, um, Crocker still had to get past me um, to, to win the game or, or whatever. So I don't know. But um, yeah, you know, you know, it's like as well, like some blokes just get dealt a hand. Like you said, Bobcat's not the, the fittest or uh, he probably was one of the fittest guys, but not the strongest. Um, not the most athletic or whatever, but he was just, he had that will to win, you know, and that's just the, again, the difference um, in mindset for guys that just go, nah, I'm competing at everything I do. Um, and um, again, that's why he was so successful for so long. Mate, now moving forward, Luke, um, mate, you got mm. into the refereeing later on in your career. What, um, what drew you to that? Well, first it started, I had a serious back injury. Um, I had to get back surgery. And I was a bit worried if I could keep playing NRL. Um, and I reached out to actually Henry Perinara is a good mate of mine who's an NRL referee and, you know, a former player. Yeah. Sort of reached out to him and was like, oh, um, you know, what's it like being a ref? Is it something I should look at? And he's like, mate, it's a pretty good gig, you know, like get the travel, still get to stay fit, um, all that. Um, luckily enough, I still was able to play, but I stayed in contact with him. And and then when I finished up in um, over in England, I, I you know I got an offer to come back. And when Chris Anderson was involved, oh sorry, Daniel Anderson was involved with the referees, um, and he wanted some ex footy guys involved in in the uh, video ref process. And um, you know I think I understand the game pretty well, um, both from a footy perspective, but also the rules. I think it's it's crucial to understand the rules well enough when you're a player, so that you know where you can bend them right and you can take advantage of certain situations. And yeah, that's just how it started. I, I'd never really thought about it much more than that. But then I was like, oh, I'm going to um, give this video ref a go. And it sort of went from there. Okay, awesome. And, and what role are you in at the moment, Luke? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I've just recently started a new job uh, with an energy company. So it's called Arc Renewable Group. So um, long story short, I quit the bunker um, just purely because of the, the negativity around it and the it just became, you know, footy for me had always been a real positive. Like, a, I understand you lose games and sometimes there'll be critics and I was probably my harshest critic if I had a bad game or whatever it was. But with the bunker and I think with the NRL in general, like, it's gotten so negative, um, you know, the reporting around the game and the, you know, the commentary around the game. I think it's just, we should be celebrating what's so great about the game, you know. Um, yeah. And for me, I just, I fell out, fell out of love a little bit with the game um, because of that. and. Yeah, I ended up going and playing local footy down in Group 7 for Albion Park last year um, randomly to get a job in the mines. Um, I worked in the mines for a bit over a year and I was like, oh, I need to challenge myself a bit more than what, what I am at the moment. So that's how I ended up sort of getting in this role where it's like a sales um, type role. And I, I just, you know, I like meeting new people. Um, you know, I like creating relationships because I think I'm a pretty um, straight up sort of guy. Um, and... Yeah, so I'm a bit over a month into it and looking at, you know, selling solar and energy efficiency for business. And to be honest, I find it all pretty interesting because it's like future stuff. You know, uh, a lot of people don't understand about energy use and, and where that's all going. And I, I do find that pretty interesting. So it's, it's been going all right. Awesome, man. Yeah, because it would be hard. Like I've spoken to, to former boxers and athletes and one thing they found being the hardest is, is once you retire... You kind of come from, you know, all the shiny lights, not shiny lights, but under the bright lights. And then your career's over and you're like, what's next? Was that hard for you when so, you retired, Luke? 
hundred percent. It's probably the hardest thing I've dealt with. And because I, you know, I was pretty intense with my footy. Like what I guess what a lot of fans don't understand is that, you know, footy is not a job for us. It's like you, you basically living whatever club you're at, you're living that life, right? So you're riding the highs and lows, wins, losses, you know, if you, Obviously, you're super disappointed if you don't win games, make finals, put yourself in a, with a chance to win the comp, you know. Um, and I was probably at the extreme with that. Whether it was a good thing or not that I was so intense, I don't know, but it probably helped me. But it certainly, when I finished, it probably didn't help me because I was so into that. Um, you know, I speak to guys now about, you know, I think the NRL is pretty good at getting guys ready for the end of their career and getting them to think about what they're, what they're going to do next and stuff. But I saw it as a kind of a weakness. Like if I focused on what I was going to do after footy, that in my mind was me going, Oh, the end's close. Like, and it affects your mindset. And I didn't want that to affect my performance. Um, so I, to be honest, I didn't plan enough coming towards the end. And then, yeah, basically, as you said, the, you know, once you quit, like the next day, I mean, you got nowhere to be. Um, you know, all your mates, they're still training, like, and the whole training side of things is huge as well, because when you're finished, your body's damaged, right? Um, and the last thing you kind of want to do straight away is go back to the gym, but that's what makes you feel better. And, and I found that out pretty, pretty early on. Like I wasn't going to the gym. I started to get a bit down with like, what's next. Um, and it's super challenging. I still struggle with it now. Like I'm still like, where's my place? Um, you know, what's the best fit for me? And I, I've just got to keep trying to find small challenges um, along the way to keep myself into it. But yeah, um, yeah, I find it super interesting that a whole transition and, um, you know, I want to help guys with that. And, and um, I've certainly found, even in this small time that I've been in this role, I've reached out to guys and they've been super helpful about things that have worked for them and the mindset and trying to stay positive. And because I like look at it and go, oh, I need a sale this week or straight away to sort of prove what I'm doing. And people are like, no, no, it's not like that. You don't have to have that sporting mindset with it, you know? Yeah. I've actually got a mate in, in America and he, he's come from Wall Street and he was making huge money. Now he's a nutrition coach and he's always had that Wall Street mentality. Like he's got to make this, this amount of thing. And he came into nutrition coach and he's like, I've been in it for a year, but I've constantly got this thing going where I've got to go do more, do more, do more. So, man, it'll be so yeah. hard for you guys because you're in a bubble for pretty much 10 years, man. You come out and you're really intense and, yeah, credit to you, man, for getting it, you know, keeping it together. And I think sales will be good because it kind of gives you a quota and a target to keep pushing Definitely, toward. Definitely. And also, I was only talking about this the other day. I think as NRL guys, we don't understand how powerful that currency um, is for us as well. Um, you know, like... I think some guys think of it as a bit of a negative because, you know, as, as I said before, there's a lot of negative stuff reported around footy guys, right, and, um, and all that. But I think um, we learn so much as professional athletes and as footy guys about, you know, working as a team, pride in your performance, you know, turning up to play, even as simple as turning up to places on time, you know, things like that is crucial when you get out and actually you're in the real world, you know. Um, so I, yeah, I kind of want guys to be a bit prouder of what they've done and understand that you're not just you know, oh, I'm an ex-footy player. I don't have any any um, abilities or any anything to put on my resume. We, well, you do, you know, and you've got a lot of things that a lot of people don't actually have. And I guess that's what I have to constantly remind myself about and, and that mindset going, no, no, you know, you've got this, you've been in certain situations before. And um, yeah, it's just an ongoing thing. And that's why I said to you, I find it super interesting, the whole mindset around it. 
Mate, so in terms of fitness now, what do you do with mm. yourself? How many, t- how many days a week are you training, nutrition? Because you're still looking good, mate. You still look like you can play yeah. another season, mate. <laughs> yeah, don't let uh, looks deceive you. Like, um, like I said, I went for a few years where I wasn't training because, I mean, we're in the gym every day. Again, I didn't love the gym. I wasn't overly good at it. I, I describe myself more as footy strong. Like, I could fend people off when I'm playing and moving and stuff easily. But in the gym, you know, my PB for a bench was probably 100 kilos or something. You know, it wasn't huge. It doesn't mean, um, that doesn't mean shit, that stuff. Like, look at Cameron Smith. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's footy strong, right? Like, knowing when and where to be and, and um, yeah, for your position, how that works. And you're right. Some of the, guys, some of the best guys in the gym are the, worst, are the worst at it, you know? Exactly. Yeah, but um, yeah, you know, I ended up, I, you know, I understood that you had to keep training because mentally, it's not about just looking good and give yourself that confidence, but mentally, it's such a, a boost. So I've only recently, I've sort of trained on and off um, for a number of years, but I, this year I've been a bit, a bit harder on myself to, um, to try and train every day. Like it still has its challenges. Like I still find it a battle. And to be honest, the best thing I do at the moment is play Oztag in the summer, and I get to still be in an environment where you know we're having a bit of a laugh but, but i'm competing i still feel like i need to compete at something yeah um and sometimes like rightly or wrongly i'll probably go a bit hard but again that's just how i'm that's how i'm programmed yeah i get it man even in terms of business like i've said this before on my podcast like i'll be watching netflix or something and then i'm thinking about the next thing i'm like nah switch off so i kind yeah. of get it in a way man you just still need to keep that that fire goal, man. So good on you for, you know, keeping it up. <laughs> but, uh, mate, what's the plans for the future, Lukey? Do you see yourself in, uh, in sales for the next, you know, five years or? Yeah, I do. Uh, I kind of, um, you know, I see myself in a sales role, whatever this job now takes me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I've got a lot to learn. And, and I think that once I get a good grasp on it, I can be really good at it. Um, so, that's good. Um, you know, I've got, I was only talking last night that I've got an interest in doing specialized coaching because, you know, I think the NRL um, is overly structured and overly coached at the moment as far as, you know, you've got to be here to do this play, um, you know, and if that, if that doesn't work out from, I feel like a lot of players are sort of lost in what they need to do. Uh, my interest is in just real basics. And again, like we we're talking about before working on the basics and, and building on that so that, you know, you start looking at the little things, right? What's this market doing? Oh, they're a man short on the, on the short side. Um, skillfully, if you're good enough, you can take advantage of those little situations. And, um, you know, I'd love to be involved down the track at some sort of coaching, whether that's just local stuff or whether it's at NRL sort of level. Um, like I'm still involved with the NRL now doing the match review um, committee stuff, which I've, I've enjoyed. You know, I had a the bunker stuff, I had a year break and then, the, you know, I got involved, I asked to get back involved with the NRL and the match review side of things. And I've got to say, I've enjoyed that. Um, looking at it again from a different angle uh, and working with other ex-footballers, just discussing, you know, what we're looking at out of each game. Um, I've enjoyed that and I've enjoyed being back involved with the game. So I certainly um, would like to keep involved in the game, how that looks and how that revolves around my family is crucial because, um, you know, family's first. Oh, I think I was pretty lucky, but also pretty selfish to live um, a professional athlete life. As you know, like it's just all about 
you, you know, like where have I got to be? What have I got to do? I've got an injury, so I've got to do this, this and this. Everyone's just got to fit in. Um, I guess it gets flipped on its head when you get a family and it's you get flipped from first to last type thing. So it's all about what's best for the family. So um, that's, again, that has its challenges because you go from, you know, rightly or wrongly being, you know, everything about you to you go to last, you know, and that has its mental challenges as well. So it's just a constant challenge, really. Yeah, man, I heard a great thing from a mentor, uh, Paul Reddick. He said, um, don't set goals for a 30-year-old when you're 20. Because yeah. a lot oh, changes. Oh, man, things change. So much changes. Like, I, I couldn't even think in my head what it would be like to have kids when you're trying to prepare for NRL games. Um, I'm glad I didn't have to deal with that because I don't know what that would have been like. But you're totally right. It's funny how things change and you see things so differently as you get older and you go through those stages. Yeah. I love that, mate. I'm just, I've just turned 30. I'm not washed up yet, but, mate, kid, mate the kids will come soon. <laughs> mate, 30 is the new 20, mate. I'll, I'm 40 this year, and I'm in my mind, I don't think like a 40-year-old. It blows my mind that I'm 40, right? Like, I, I think, yeah, I'm still uh, early 30s or whatever. And I think, like, it's just a mentality again. Like, I'm not going to start doing stuff that I think a 40-year-old should do. And if I want to stay in shape, like, I want my main thing about staying in shape besides being mentally um, healthy, I guess, is for my boys. Like, I want to be an active dad and I want to do everything that, you know, I did as a kid as well. So, um, yeah, age is just a number, man. Yeah. Is there something you do just before we sign off, Luke? Is there something you do mentally? Like, do you listen to audio or read daily to just train uh, your family? I've been listening to more podcasts. It's, I've probably never been a huge podcaster um previously but because i've got a bit more of a, a travel to work now i listen to more podcasts and i like listening to other people's point of views and how they see things and even like with your stuff like the whole being positive around your training and you know i like i like that side of things i think the whole positive you can sort of talk yourself into being more positive if you're constantly looking for positive things and looking for the positive in things i guess if you know Definitely. like you could you can definitely get negative about things and be like, oh, I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go see somewhere. In your mind, you can be like, no, no, let's see this as a positive and, and, try, and try and constantly do that. That's um, probably the key thing for me. And, you know, I find um, something I need to do personally is always just try and reboot, like go and do stuff. Like for an example, for me, I like, I got right into bass fishing and, and I go, you know, sometimes I go out for 10 or 12 hours in the middle of nowhere and just fish, you know, and just try, and as you said earlier, try and switch your brain off because otherwise it just keeps going and you just almost lose track of your thoughts and where you're at with things. So that's all I try and do is sometimes try and get a bit of quiet time just to not think really. It's important, man. Luke, appreciate your time, brother. That was awesome. All good. All good. It's good to talk about it. It's interesting stuff. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that, man. Lukey, all the best, brother. Thanks again, mate. And uh, where can people find you, mate? Have you got any projects running that we can help you with too, mate? Oh, I don't have any projects at the moment. I mean, only, only place people can sort of find me is either on my LinkedIn page business-wise or um, my Insta, but I'm not huge on social media, you know, like I guess if people have any questions or want to hit me up for anything like you did, I guess just reach out on Insta or whatever. And, um, you know, I, th I think I'm pretty open on doing stuff. So, um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. It's been, uh, it's been fun. Thanks, Lukey. And 04, no mate, what a time, bro. I'll tell my brother about that. I'll say, I caught up with Lukey Patton today. He's going to be stoked. <laughs> mate, it's, it's, um, it's hectic. And even like the general, right? Like the general, the nickname, um, 
you know, one of the old Steelers boys gave it to me. And it's bizarre how many people now, like, oh, even yesterday, I was out, out of Parramatta for work and dude was driving past and he's like, yeah, the general, you know, and like, <laughs> that's just crazy how that's evolved and how people actually, I'll meet people and they're like, hey, go on, general. Like, they won't even call me Luke or whatever, you know, and it's just, I almost expect that now, as bizarre as that is. But yeah, um, yeah it's just weird. Oh, it's crazy. Just quickly, man, when we were at school, 04, I would have been, what, year eight, maybe? Um, mate, there was a, there was a forums. Oh, I can't remember blues for, I don't know. Anyway, um, my, my good mate was a Bulldogs fan and I remember mm. we were in the Bulldogs forum and there was a guy called the patinator and we're on yep. the computer, but I didn't know the librarian could see our computer. So we're in these yeah. forums and then he calls out to us and he goes, who's the patinator? <laughs> Someone's username was the patinator posting, but it was just <laughs> funny, man. Mate, you got some, uh, some big fans out there, but, oh, um, man. Anyway, Lukey, all the best, brother. Appreciate your time and, um, yeah, mate, hope to connect soon. No worries. Thanks, Matty. Talk to you.